Nebraska Cornhuskers, man, they diminished. The Oklahoma Sooners dominated Nebraska on Saturday. We're going to break it all down, talk about the game, the ins and outs on the offensive and the defensive side of the football, and give you our dude of the week on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at the Sooners Wire. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, it was just a phenomenal weekend to be an Oklahoma Sooners fan as they made the trip up to Lincoln, Nebraska, invaded Memorial Stadium, and just Late a butt whooping really is the best way to put it on the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Yeah, I don't know if you caught the the locked on now that we we sent out there, John. I know it was kind of my week to record those, but just going off of what we had taught the entirety of this past week, sort of my take all week was show me that there's a big difference between Oklahoma and Nebraska. Right. Do not make this game close like it was a year ago in Norman. Make it look like Nebraska is a program that just fired its head coach. Make it look like Oklahoma is a program that is ranked inside the top 10 and sniffing the top five nationally. Make it look that way. And I got to give credit where credit's due. I'm not going to come out of this thing and just say, like I've seen some of the national reaction out there. Oh, yeah. But Oklahoma's not played anybody yeah, it's UTEP, it's Kent State, and do you realize you just beat down on Nebraska? Hey, I do. I get it. I hear your skepticism. I hear your let's wait and see out there, but I will just meet you by saying, give Oklahoma a little credit in this respect, John, that this is what I wanted to see from Oklahoma. I wanted to see Oklahoma go up to Lincoln and on the road be dominant and look like a top 10, top five team, if you will, look, a, look like a college football playoff contender. And OU did that, and we haven't always seen OU do that. So that's kind of the overarching biggest takeaway for me is OU did what OU was supposed to do. Good teams win, great teams cover. Oklahoma did more than that. I mean, the spread going into the game was 11 points. Oklahoma was favorited, and they won by 35. It's the third straight 30-point win of the season to start the season. The last time Nebraska had been beaten by more than 10 points – was November of 2020, like nearly two and a half years ago or more, almost two years ago, did Nebraska was the last time Nebraska got beaten by more than 10 points. So that tells you a little bit of something about a team that has played a lot of close games, lost a lot of close games, but they played teams tough. Like it didn't matter, Ohio State, Michigan, any of these teams that you could throw into the Big Ten schedule, Nebraska was playing them tight. Weren't winning a lot of games. They were just, what, three and eight last year. So we can sit here and we can say, oh, it was just Nebraska. Nebraska's down. Nebraska's not very good. Kansas wasn't very good. And Oklahoma was trailing 10-0 last year. Uh, we, we've seen this team time and time again play down to their opponent. Tulane, week one of last year, they were dominating that game in the first half. Tulane makes an epic comeback to make it a game in the second half and nearly pulled off the upset. 
week one of the season. So we've seen the Oklahoma Sooners in recent history play down to an inferior opponent, and they did not do that at all in this game. It was a little bit tight in the first four minutes, but that's about as that's about it. From the Dylan Gabriel run, the 61-yard rumble down the sideline, showing off them nifty, as Brent Venables called it, sweet feet. It was it was church. Like Oklahoma took over from that point. That was the spark that ignited the Oklahoma Sooners, and they ran away with this thing. Like you don't beat Power Five programs by 35 points on accident by being just okay or just being good. You've got to be really, really good, darn near great to be able to do that in their home stadium with a fan base that was lit. Like they were on fire for that game. Nebraska Cornhusker fans, you showed up, you showed out just through the broadcast. I'm watching at work. I could note, I could tell, like you arrived ready to go for that game. So shout out to you on that one. I think this was a, one of many statement games we're going to see out of the Oklahoma Sooners this season, but it was the first. And I think we can assuredly say, we can safely say, like, this is a very different football team. I think so too, man. And there's so much, so many different directions we can go about. Hey, what did you like the most about this game? Uh, obviously, offensively, I thought really, really good, right? Really, really good in this game. And yet, I kind of came away thinking Dylan Gabriel had a couple of throws that he missed out there in a game where John on the road, Oklahoma nearly rolls up 600 yards of total offense and look would have rolled up 600 plus yards of total offense would have hung a half a hundred plus on Nebraska if they so chose, but instead obviously extended playing time coming down the final stretch here for Davis Bevel, right? So, I mean, if Oklahoma wanted to do those things, Oklahoma against Nebraska would have done those things. Defensively, man, you know, outside of that first drive, the the Sooners were just flat out dominant in this game. So, gave up that opening scoring drive, and instead of that being a sign of things to come for the afternoon uh, that was in Lincoln, Nebraska, instead Oklahoma tightened things up. They again were stingy, stingy from that point forward. You look at some of the final numbers. And how about Anthony Grant finishes with 36 uh, rushing yards on 13 attempts? I mean, that's somebody that, again, we're talking about going into this game, has been a Big Ten player of the week once already this season. And he didn't look like that against Oklahoma. So just so much, man, across the board to be really, really pleased with. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think this is a one of those games where we've been looking for them to play a complete game. You know, they had that little bit of a lull against UTEP in the second quarter, you know, the first half against Kent state, aside from the final two minutes of that game of the first half was a bit disappointing. Well, this game, you really can't find anything. Yeah. Nebraska scored on the opening drive, but a lot of times, you know, teams just have good game scripts for that first drive of the game and they can kind of pinpoint some weaknesses and take advantage of things. But once things settle in, which is what happened on Saturday, the better team, usually rises to the occasion. And that was, that was Oklahoma. You know, I think we're going to have to spend a little bit more time just kind of talking offensively, but I'm going to, before we get to the first break, I want to talk about Jaleel Farouk. This is a guy that I've been really asking to see something from. And I thought he was dominant. Now he only had a few catches, got in the end zone one time, but I think his stat line could have been so much bigger. You talked about Dylan Gabriel missing on a throw. He had Dylan or Dylan Gabriel had Jaleel Farouk just wide open and just overthrew him by a yard maybe if 
that connects Jalil Farouk's off to the races, not being caught. And that's a big play for a big touchdown that potentially puts him over a hundred yards on the, on the day. So I know I've been kind of hesitant to, to, you know, to coronate Jalil Farouk as wide receiver too. I think it's safe to say he's that guy. Like he showed up on Saturday in a big game in a, a, in front of a raucous crowd against a defense that was really trying to, you know, step up a little bit and play a little bit better than the, what they had. Jill Farouk was great. He was getting open a lot. Even if the ball wasn't coming his way, he was getting open. He was making good plays. That first, you know, touchdown reception, like that was just a great route that he ran the sluggo, that slant and go just lost the dude and made a big play really great awareness along the sideline to make sure he had enough space along the sideline for Dylan Gabriel to, to put the football. And I think that's a really underrated part of, of a wide receivers game because so many times you see wide receivers, like not put that route in a position where they're going to have room along the sideline to make that catch. Well, he ran his guy inside just enough and then made sure he kept enough, you know, that enough of that outside leverage to not be run out of bounds uh, or to give Dylan Gabriel a space to throw the football that was going to be enough for him to, to get the touchdown. So we're going to talk more about the offense because there's a lot more to take away from that and on the defensive side of the football. And we got our dudes of the week coming up a little bit later. But first, I want to talk to you about Bet Online. Right now, Oklahoma is opening as a minus 13 favorite, 13 point favorite over Kansas State for Saturday night's tilt. Bet Online is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports events including major league baseball mma boxing golf the nba and the nhl right around the corner too so you can get in on future odds over there as well so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action bet online is where the game starts all right josh offensively what else stood out to you we talked a little bit about dylan gabriel he was he was good it wasn't his best performance of the season but that touchdown run, man, it it was the thing that really set it off. Yeah, it was, man. Yeah, that I mean, that's something that stood out to me. It's not even just Dylan Gabriel rushing the football from the quarterback position, but even after Oklahoma went to Davis Bevel, I mean, that's something that Jeff Levy wants to do, right? He's not afraid to use the quarterback in the in the run game. And frankly, for an Oklahoma offense that at times rushing the football has kind of been up and down. It's not just been Oklahoma's offensive line totally uh, dominating and winning every single war and every little battle out there. Mixing in a little bit of Dylan Gabriel in the quarterback run game, it seemed to really spark what Oklahoma did rushing the football in this game. They finished with 312 rushing yards, John. So, I mean, they, they, crazy. Ran, they, they ran what they wanted to do and, 5.8 yards per rush for Oklahoma. So I think, uh, yeah, what you're talking about right there, Dylan Gabriel in the quarterback run game, I thought was a huge part of what Oklahoma tried to do in this game. And then just running the football, man, Eric Gray, like this is the guy that we've been hoping to see since he transferred from Tennessee. I mean, he was powerful. He was elusive. I mean, he stole a couple guys souls on those two touchdown runs, just like you sent them to the shadow realm as Blinken Riley said, you know, sent them to the upside down. If you're a stranger, stranger things uh, fan over there, it, they were just beautiful. I mean, had a guy completely turned around, just put his foot in the ground and, you know, cut. And it was just really, really great to see him get into the end zone, but run with run with that purpose, make several big plays, big time runs. Uh, you know, he, he was good after contact uh, averaged 1.64 yards per attempt after contact had four yard runs of 
10 yards or more, four runs of 15 yards or more. Um, just absolutely a really, really solid game from Eric Gray. Uh, you, you mentioned it. They, they had a really nice day running the football. Javante Barnes came in, had 77 rushing yards as well. Marcus Major, you know, got another touchdown on the ground at, on the goal line. Um, and then had the big reception from Braden Willis, which was a cool little wrinkle to to get in there. I think that's a really neat wrinkle to have in place. If you want to throw a, a tight end screen here and there, teams are going to have to be aware of, oh, they might, Braden Willis might throw it. So we're going to have to, you know, like on a third and short, you throw that tight end screen or that, you know, kind of wide receiver screen to Braden Willis out there on the outside. And he might be able to pick that up, but it's, it's just a really, really neat wrinkle. I think the running backs as a whole, had a really solid game. Yeah, the play calling, I thought we got a nice little peek into what some of that can look like, what some of the bag of tricks for Jeff Levy are. Obviously, the the quarterback run game, as we mentioned off the top, that play right there with Braden Willis, nice little throw to Marcus Major that he made on that one. Another wrinkle that they they ran quite a bit was the, the jet sweeps with the wide receivers, and it was kind of interesting you, you know, you would think maybe that jet sweep, right, is going to go to uh, Jaleel Farouk or a Marvin Mims or Theo Weiss. No, it, it was Drake Stoops a lot of times in this football game, which maybe caught Nebraska a little bit by surprise. And, you know, I thought was pretty effective for Oklahoma. Yeah, it was at times. It, it had some moments where it wasn't all the way together. I think one thing they're going to have to work on this week is just the, the snap. Andrew Rain, the, the two kind of – off-target snaps were from him, and one of them messed up the timing on the Davis Bevel to Gavin Freeman handoff, and then one time it, it threw off the play, and Dylan Gabriel just had to take it and kind of take a couple-yard loss on that one. So that's definitely something they got to have to work on. But the offensive line, I think as a whole, it played really, really well. Dylan Gabriel had plenty of time, even on that first drive where you know they pick up the first down, and then on the next set of downs, Dylan Gabriel gets sacked. I felt like he had plenty of time in the pocket, just kind of started to bail a little early and didn't really have anywhere to go. But the pocket was kind of clean, just there was nowhere to go with the football, nowhere to go, no, no running lanes to find for him to scramble into. But I thought overall the offensive line played really, really well. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, look, Gabriel gets sacked a couple of times in this game, and I'm sure we could – find areas that we would like to see the the offensive line improve. But by and large, didn't you feel like Dylan Gabriel had a ton of time to operate back there and to just survey and kind of pick apart Nebraska's defense and determine where he wanted to throw the football? I thought that was more or less the case all afternoon long with Dylan Gabriel out there. They obviously ran it very, very effectively. Eric Gray was able to get to the second level a couple of times untouched unimpeded and then boom that really opens him up to again decelerate and then re-accelerate and change direction and show off some of his impressive running skills which he was able to do on the one touchdown run so overall yeah I think you got to say it was the best game of the season for Oklahoma up front on the offensive line yeah they allowed just six pressures according to pro football focus on 29 dropbacks which is pretty solid like that's a really good rate it's only 20% of his dropbacks, and they've got some pretty decent players on the edge. O'Shawn Mathis being one of them, a guy that showed up and made some plays, especially in the running game, but the the pass blocking was just sound. I don't know if they just had a great week in, in the film room or, or what, but it was a really, really good a really good game. And I thought both Tyler Guyton and Wanya Morris played really, really well. You know, just, If you look at the pro football focus grading system, 
Tyler Guyton had a better grade than Wanya Morris in pass blocking, but Wanya Morris had a better grade than Guyton in the run game. So I think it's really interesting. It's going to be fun to see like how they continue to mix those two in because both those guys played a bunch. Like, um, let me see if I can find it again because they both had a lot of snaps. Uh, Tyler Guyton had 32 snaps. Wanya Morris had 56. Obviously, the run game was, I think, the thing that people saw and focused on in which the the running game was better with Wanya Morris. But I, I don't think we can completely throw aside what Tyler Guyton's done in the first three games. Even if he doesn't start, you've got a very good and capable offensive tackle to be able to play either side because he played on the left side against uh, UTEP played, and then has played on the right side the last couple games. So even if it is Wanya Morris at right tackle from now on, you've got a very, very good player that you can deploy on either side or that's going to have you ready and, and you know who you're going to write tackle is going to be come next year. So I thought he played really, really good. Anything else that we need to mention? I mean, Marvin Mims, the, the guy just, he's a playmaker. Just, I, I tweeted it on our social media account over at locked on sweeters on Twitter. Playmakers make plays. You got to let playmakers make plays. And I think that's what we're seeing this year. They're allowing Marvin Mims to return some punts and the dude is rewarding the team handsomely. Yeah, I, I mean, that's ex exactly where I was going to go. I mean, it's obviously it's not an offensive conversation because you're mixing in special teams here with Marvin Mims, but three uh, three punt returns, 60 yards, obviously the, the big long punt return of 34. I just, again, philosophically, identity-wise, I love that for Oklahoma. I think that's been a missing wrinkle for the Sooners. I just, to me, there's an element of playing scared when you – don't have some of your stars out there on special teams, or even if it's not Marvin Mims, right, that was back there returning punts for Oklahoma, if you just take the approach that you're, you're not trying to be aggressive in that department. To me, again, there's there's an element of playing scared there. I, I understand you're not trying to cough one up, but when you don't try and attack and get the explosive play in special teams, I just think you leave a lot of meat on the bone, John. You leave a lot of opportunities to go out there and make things happen and we saw again in this football game, that's not the approach for Oklahoma anymore. And I love that. I love that they're attacking special teams. And I love that Brent Venables and this coaching staff, they're not afraid to, to put Marvin Mims out there as the guy to go do it. So, yes, the, the phrase from Jeff Levy, right, that he shared with us last week, FTS, feed the stud. Yes, feed the stud. Give Marvin Mims opportunities to go be a playmaker for you because Marvin Mims is what? He's a playmaker for you. Let him do it. Yeah, he had four catches for 66 yards on the day. He had one carry for four yards, uh, but he also had the big, you know, um, pass interference call that he drew that, I mean, if he doesn't get tackled, I mean, he's catching that one and walking into the end zone. Like that was a beautifully thrown ball by Dylan Gabriel. He had a step on the Nebraska defender and all the Nebraska defender could do was just tackle Marvin Mims, which is the better play and, you know, taking the 15 yard penalty and leaving to fight another day. It didn't seem, it didn't turn out to matter because Oklahoma went and scored anyway, but yeah, just a dynamic player. I mean, he would have gone over a hundred yards on that reception if he had caught it and walked in the end zone. Um, so again, just a dynamic player, a dynamic player, give him the football. It doesn't matter the situation. Just make sure he has the football. I mean, his big play of the game was a wide receiver screen, just a bubble screen that they threw out there. And he just, beat everybody down the sideline, you know, until he got ran out of bounds, but a really, really great game for Marvin Mims again. All right. Turning our attention to the defensive side of the football, man, 
they allowed that one drive where you know Casey Thompson looked great and Nebraska just drove right down the field and scored the touchdown. But from then on, I mean, the defense was absolutely dominant. They pressured or they had Casey Thompson under pressure on 36% of his dropbacks on Saturday or, or Nebraska quarterbacks, I should say, on 36% of their dropbacks. Uh, Jaron Kanak, or sorry, Kanak, um, led the team in total tackles with 10. Uh, and then according to Pro Football Focus, had four stops, which also led the team. Um, a, a great performance from him. Yeah, it was fun to see, wasn't it? Fun to see him get out there and fly around. He's, I think, going to be special for Oklahoma. He's off to a very Danny Stutzman-ish start in his career to where you can just tell this guy has a nose for the football. And he's going to fly around and he's going to find the, the football for Oklahoma. And we, uh, we saw a lot of that, saw a lot of that in Lincoln. So he was definitely uh, one of the players that catches your eye out there. Obviously, he had the, uh, the forced fumble in the game as well for Oklahoma. So that was good to see across the board though, man, I just think the way that this team is sort of embracing what Brent Venables wants it to look like again, another game where Oklahoma finishes, I'm looking at the numbers, four sacks, nine tackles for loss. And for those of you out there that aren't keeping tabs on where Oklahoma is nationally in that regard, Oklahoma right now, John nationally number two tackles for loss, uh, per game so they man they're doing what brent venables defenses do they get a lot of tackles for loss let's see here the official tally right now is 32 tackles for loss and again in a power five game they just got nine more of them so the the contributions across the board defensively in that regard i just think it's really impressive man it's not taking very long for venables and this defensive staff to get their fingerprints all over it and your sacks came from a, a couple new guys. I mean, Jalen Redmond got his first sack of the season, which he had two and a half tackles last week against Kent State, but it was nice to see him. I mean, he kind of came off the edge. They ran a little, you know, tackle and stunt, and he came around the corner and just buried Casey Thompson. Like he played with so much speed on that play. Jonah Laula, he had a sack as well, and then a half of a tackle for loss. Ethan Downs had a sack. And then Deshaun White, I mean, Deshaun White was having a really good game up until he got ejected. And I mean, that's going to be a teaching moment for him um, come this week. Thankfully, it didn't turn out that we were going to need him. Um, and it kind of might have been a blessing in disguise because we got to see more you know, Jaron Canick. And I mean, he was having a really good game. He had six total tackles, the sack, and was, I think, finally kind of feeling comfortable playing that cheetah position a little bit more. Uh, in the secondary, I thought a lot of the guys played well, you know, Key Lawrence had a really good game. Six total tackles, had the interception. Uh, also had another pass breakup and, you know, uh, had the highest defensive grade for anybody on the Oklahoma Sooners team this past week. Um, as far as, you know, guys that got targeted a bunch, you know, Key Lawrence got targeted twice, gave up just two catches. Um, and then, you know, Trey Morrison finally got some action, extended action just all in all, just a really, really solid game. Casey Thompson really didn't have anywhere to go with the football and finished himself, you know, averaging just 6.5 yards per attempt. His average depth of target was 5.1 yards down the field. Like you're not going to win football games when you're throwing the football only five yards down the field on average. And that's a credit to Oklahoma secondary, not allowing anything to get down the field and Oklahoma's pass rush, not giving him time to survey things down the field and not being able to scramble. I think they fixed a lot of things from the first couple of games where, you know, uh, 
Gavin Hardison and Colin Schley were finding room down the field. There was none of that this week. They had the one big pass play to cap off the drive um, on the, on their first drive. But after that, it was, there was nothing. There was literally nothing for Casey Thompson to find down the field. Yeah, no, the, the way, again, they rallied to the football, that one Clayton Smith play that was making the rounds out there. I think Travis Davidson shared his little video out there on social media sort of epitomizes where this defense is at, right? Clayton Smith misses what would have been another TFL for Oklahoma, gets back up, races all the way back around. And guess what? By the time that he meets Nebraska, again, the, uh, the runner that was on that play by the sideline, there's four more white jerseys over there. So just the way that this team right now, John gang tackles to the football rallies to the football. It's uh, kind of been a while since we've seen Oklahoma do that on a consistent basis. I'm not saying that there weren't bits and pieces where we saw Oklahoma do that over the last five, 10 years, insert, you know, you know, whatever time interval interval you want to toss on this thing. If you want to just limit it down to Alex Grinch as the defensive coordinator, if you want to go back to the Mike Stoops era, whatever you want to, you know, time interval you want to put on it. Oklahoma, it's been a while since they've been tackling like this and a tackling, uh, a tackling, attacking runners like this. So it's just, it's fun to see the way that they're doing that, man. And it's not one person. It's an across the board contribution for Oklahoma. So yeah, just really impressive, man. 3.6 per carry for Nebraska. And probably at times it wasn't as good as even that number indicates. No. And they only missed 13 tackles as a team this week, which was better than last week where it was 18. Uh, and the thing that I'm okay with when it's, when we are missing some tackles, it's because guys are just playing fast. And the, the guy they're trying to tackle just makes a good play. The, the, the one that kind of stands out is Jaron Kanick. You know, he's got Casey Thompson dead to rights coming off the edge on, on the slot blitz. And, you know, Thompson just makes a nice little shoulder dip. And, you know, Kanick just flies right by him. Like, that's going to happen. Like, it just happens from time to time. Good. You know, Casey Thompson is a, an experienced quarterback. He knows how to avoid pressure at times. That happens. But I love the speed that he played with. Like, he was not – like he was not holding back. He was not playing unsure. And I think that's the case for a lot of these guys on the defense. Like they're not playing hesitant. And so when you're going kind of balls to the wall, pardon the, you know, the expression, like sometimes you're going to miss tackles just because you're going hard. Like Danny Stutzman had one too, because the two guys they just kind of collided with the tight end and, and he just bounced off them, but they were playing fast and they were playing fast to the football. It's that old coaching adage. Like if you're going to make a mistake, like at least make it going 110%, like don't make it going 70%, like make it playing as hard as you can. And so I think that's an okay thing. So any other kind of big takeaways that you want to make for, or that you have for the defense or just for the team in general? Well, I would just, add on to your, your point right there about going, you know, balls to the wall and playing with a certain level of intensity and aggression. Ultimately. Yeah. Hey, that might lead to a missed tackle or two, even though I, I do think and you would agree with this. Oklahoma's made progress in the tackling department. I mean, just the way that they get guys to the ground, the physicality really across the board, they're playing with, you know, it's clear that it's different for Oklahoma. That being said, okay. Yes, when you play with that type of motor, probably there's going to be some missed tackles. But you know what else there's going to be? There's going to be four more sacks, like we saw. There's going to be nine tackles for loss. So you kind of get, I guess what I'm saying is, you get some of that bad with the really, really good. And that's just kind of the the nature of the beast, I think, for Oklahoma defensively. Just, you know, again, 
the the big takeaway from for me defensively is you give up that opening drive touchdown and then really it's a garbage touchdown that you give up late you allow your offense to go out there and through the meaty portion of the football game score 49 unanswered points so i just thought you know regardless of whatever the statistics say and the statistics look good for oklahoma defensively the points that you give up is the important number in oklahoma after the opening touchdown uh, with the main guys out there, John, they were dominant in this football game. And because they were so dominant as a team, they got to get a lot of guys, a lot of snaps. I mean, they had, what was it? It was 30 guys play at least 10 snaps and 19 guys play at least 27 snaps on the defense. Offensively, they had, looking at, I mean, three of your offensive linemen played basically the whole game, they played 88 snaps, but you had a bunch of dudes, you know, 17 guys play at least 25, 19 play at least 20 snaps, uh, 22 guys play at least 14 snaps. Like you're getting a lot of players on the field and getting them good experience in really, you know, good moments and against quality competition. That's only going to make your team better. And it gives the coaching staff like teaching tape to work from with those younger guys that might not have seen the game otherwise, if it were a close game. So all of these blowouts, like not only are they great for this year and they kind of help raise your profile and raise your standing on the national level, but it helps give your, your players opportunities to get playing time, which is only going to make them better so that when you have to rely upon them next year, you're, you're throwing them into competitions next year. You already got a little bit to go on about what they can do. Like guys like Jake Taylor, or a guy like you know Jaden Rowe or Gentry Williams, who you're getting out on the field, like you're getting to see, okay, what can they do at this level, just early in their career. And so I think that's that's a really really strong part of this. Again, three wins of thirty points or more. Last year they had just one against a uh, FBS program. Just one last year. Yeah, that's that's wild when you think about that. And what was the the statistic they shared out there? I mean, it's been. Uh a long time. I think it was since 2007 that Oklahoma opened up with three consecutive wins of 30 or more points. So just to put what Oklahoma is doing into perspective. And again, this hasn't happened around here in some time. Look, I don't care if it's UTEP Kent state in a Nebraska team that just fired its head coach. When you go up to Lincoln and you pound them by the, you know, kind of worst margin you've ever done up there and score the most points you've ever scored up there, and you win three consecutive games to open the season by 30-plus points, that's not been happening at Oklahoma in any time recently. So I just, again, man, (laughs) you know, there's not a lot of negatives to sit here and nitpick. I mean, there's just not. Oklahoma was dominant in the game. They played great. All right, so now, Josh, got to talk. Our dude of the week, uh, Shall you go first? Shall you kick us off on the inaugural dude of the week award? We're both going to pick one. Josh is going to have his. I'm going to have mine. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to go with Eric Gray, who I thought was tremendous in this game. I said, man, coming into it that I thought there was an outside chance that we come away from this game and say, you know, this is the game we look back on and say, maybe that's where running back one was officially quote unquote one. We'll see. Right. Time will tell on that, but 11 rushes, 113 yards, two touchdowns, pretty tasty. Yeah, fantastic choice. What was it, 10.8 yards per carry? That's ridiculous that you hand the ball to the guy on average and he's going to pick up that many yards. And, and again, 
broke some big runs. I'm going to go for the defensive side of the football. And we're going to go with the true freshman, Jerry Canick. The guy led the team in total tackles, led the team in stops, had a forced fumble, nearly had a sack. Like the dude just flew around the place. For a guy that has only played three games of college football, he looks like he could be a player for Oklahoma this season. Like he could be a significant player. He might not start, but he's going to kind of have that Billy Bowman type of introduction to Oklahoma Sooners football, where he's going to get a lot of, you know, important snaps, significant snaps for this team as they get into the big 12 schedule. I'm even thinking next week against, you know, Kansas state and Deuce Vaughn. I kind of thought about that in the off season and mentioned it, but I mean, is he your Deuce Vaughn eraser? Like, is he the guy that you're going to match up against Deuce Vaughn? Now it's a, a hefty challenge. It's a, a heavy task for a true freshman, but he's got the speed. He's got the agility. He's got the athleticism to play with a guy like Deuce Vaughn. I'd, I'd throw it out there a few times and see what happens. Just say, all right, go match up man to man with Deuce Vaughn and see what happens. But my do the week is going to go to Jaron Canning. He's just a dude, just a dude. And he just plays good football. So that's going to do it for today's episode of locked on Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show, wherever you get your podcasts for free and available on all platforms. Also go subscribe over on YouTube, help us get to 3000 subscribers. By the time we get to the red river show down here in just a few weeks, it's going to be a great game. We're going to have more to say about this Oklahoma Sooners win on our Tuesday episode. And then we'll start getting you ready for Kansas state under the lights in Norman on Saturday night. We're looking forward to that one. It's going to be a great game. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.